Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Springfield politicians, they promise they won't tax retirement income if their constitutional amendment passes, but their measure lets them increase income taxes on every group of taxpayers, including retirees. Phyllis! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, geez, it's the COVID. Uh, every now and then it just kicks in. Yeah. That's a joke, ladies and gentlemen. It's a bad one. And Phyllis, I don't know, man. Can I just say that that Phyllis commercial, we haven't played it in a while. We used to play it all the time. Illinois, heck of a job in that fair tax uh, vote uh, last year. You guys actually believed Phyllis. Don't make fun of people in California. The America I love. Sully. (laughs) Sully. That's two days in a row now, Mr. Sully. Uh, That, of course, is Jesse Sullivan, the latest uh, Republican to enter the race for governor of the state of Illinois. Uh, We will be having a field day with Sully on Friday, no doubt. Uh, Oh, what a week. Uh, notice I got it correct, Dennis. Huh? Yeah, you got anything to say when I get it right. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I had to change it. It was, oh, what a week it was, but you kept calling it, oh, what a week. So I hope you get it right because I changed it. Hold on. Before we officially start the show, let me just take a moment to say, uh, Dennis stole these words out of my mouth like two minutes ago before one in the air. But uh, Dr. D was so far ahead of the game. Norm MacDonald died uh, yesterday. We, it happened, right? We were in the show. Dennis sent me a, a text. I didn't read it. Because I, I just, you never know if it's fake or phone. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like this, people are always texting me stuff in the show. Like this happened in, in real life. And you, there's so much phoniness out there. It's got me thinking twice, but uh, yeah, he died. Very funny comedian. I really know him that well uh, until I met young Dr. D. <laughs> uh, and Dr. D is a huge fan, huge fan of Norm McDonald. And we'd be driving those famous drives to and from work. Oh, Ben, you got to hear this. You got to hear that. He'd be playing Norm McDonald bits. And they were hilarious, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. There's just something about the guy so droll, so dry, and yet hit that sting. Uh, I would. I, I was. I just became a big fan of his. He got into trouble every now and then with his big mouth. We we all get in trouble from time to time with our big mouths. Oh, there's there, uh, there's a there's a vacancy now. Uh, the funniest person alive has died. So you know what I mean. <laughs> That's how I feel. Yeah. That was my idol. My idol passed away last night. My hero. Yeah, no, you 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 really loved him, uh, Dennis. The doctor loved Norm McDonald, and he does imitations. We'd be in the car, we would I wouldn't even be listening to Norm McDonald. Dennis, do Norm McDonald, uh, uh, which was the one that I always made you do the Gatlin Brothers one uh, for uh, when he was on uh, Adam Carolla's show. You would do that one for me all the time. And uh, I don't know. It was just oh, uh, the, that hog f- got to feed those hogs. Yeah, is Norm McDonald that, that's always that's always been my tribute to Norm McDonald. Who's going to feed them hogs? There's yeah. several Norm McDonald references. Okay, your yeah. Ben Jarofsky show anyway. for Wednesday, September fifteenth is just moments away. But before we do this, we need to thank our sponsor, sponsors like SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor. 
Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, what kind of pot to smoke. Oh, my God. And so much more. <laughs> yeah, we don't. Including the latest column from our very own Ben Jarofsky. You'll read that and go, oh, my God. Look at that. Look at that article. <laughs> Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com. Check it out. If you want to help out this program, you can. ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. J-O-R-A. V is in victory. S-K-Y. Wednesday, September 15th, and live from my apartment and his attic, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, we welcome back legendary Chicago journalist Monroe Anderson, and we welcome back Mr. Sergio Mims. Now your host. Oh my God! <laughs> Holy Lord! Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling. <laughs> sorry, we're calling this uh, Nikki Metesticles Wednesday, and here's why. I never thought I'd hear that title. <laughs> Dude, I'm sorry. You're hearing you do your Norm McDonald's just made me laugh. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. Norm McDonald just makes me laugh. Uh, Nicki Minaj is in the news. The great rapper. She announced she wasn't attending the Met Gala because they have a vaccine mandate and she wasn't about to get the shot. Sort of like uh, former Cubs first baseman Anthony Rizzo. I plays for the Yankees. Remember that? Anthony Rizzo announced he wasn't going to get the shot either. He's still waiting for information, more information to come out about it. He was having regular consultations with his doctor, who was providing him with the most up-to-date data possible. I'm like, what is your doctor telling you, Anthony Rizzo, that the rest of us don't know? Need more time to study. What does it do to you? What are the long-term health consequences before I stick that needle in my arm, et cetera, and so forth? <laughs> I know about this, the Nicki Minaj stuff, because she tweeted it. Uh, I'll get to the details of her tweet in a minute. But first, this. This whole episode and the fallout underscores one of my favorite little delightful moments about this culture wars we've been in for the last, oh, I don't know. It seems like it's going on forever, D. At least this century. How you flip your allegiance to somebody uh, issue by issue overnight in some cases. So uh, let me remind you. This is the same Nicki Minaj who supported Bernie Sanders, my beloved Bernie Sanders. And when she supported Bernie Sanders, I was going, yes, yes, Nikki. Everybody listen to Nikki. And then Mago, meanwhile, who can't stand Bernie Sanders, except to use him every now and then to like pick a fight with, get Democrats fighting with each other, which by the way, always succeeds. I still have Dems telling me they're mad at Bernie Sanders for what happened in 2016. Still mad at Bernie Sanders for what? Standing up for Medicare for all. Anyway, when uh, Nikki was endorsing Bernie Sanders, MAGA was saying, oh, my God, who would listen to a rapper? MAGA's always doing flip-flops like this. It was even worse with Ice Cube. Ice Cube wrote one of the most notorious rap songs of all time, which I will now quote, fuck the police. And when it came out, MAGA was like, ban that song. How dare you play a song that says fuck the police? 
They were trying to cancel Ice Cube's culture for writing that song. And then last year, Ice Cube kind of, sort of endorsed Trump. Remember that day he was playing footsie with Trump? Liberals and Dems went nuts. I was going nuts, too. What are you doing, Ice Cube? <laughs> and they're getting mad, you know, and they're tweeting all kinds of stuff. I didn't tweet. Tweet, but all of a sudden, MAGA started quoting Ice Cube left and right. Started blasting Dems and liberals for canceling his culture. Yeah, MAGA loved Ice Cube last summer. They wanted to promote his culture, not cancel his culture. Remember that? They were using MAGA to, they were using Ice Cube to show how horrific Dems were to black people. <laughs> anyway, back to Nikki. She is now the fan of MAGA everywhere, and Dems are mad at her. Let's see. I'm going to call this update. Great moment. Here we go. Here's her tweet. Uh, she shared a story about the side effects her cousin's friend allegedly started experiencing after receiving a vaccine, which became the central focus of many memes. Quote, my cousin in Trinidad won't get the vaccine because his friend got it and became impotent, impotent, impotent. Uh, the rapper wrote his testicles became swollen. His friend was weeks away from getting married. Now the girl called off the wedding. So just pray on it and make sure you're comfortable with the decision, not bullied. Everybody's rolling their eyes and making fun of Nikki and her cousin and her cousin's friend with the swollen testicles. And, and Nikki is firing back. It's a great Twitter debate. I don't know if you noticed, Steve, but Nikki Minaj is just defending herself. She's not backing off. <laughs> I'm sorry. Just the thought of like calling them testicles. It's like everybody's trying to be real scientific about it. You know, she's a rapper. I don't know if she ever called them testicles in a, in a rap lyric or anything, but you know, how, like when you really want to be scientific and stuff, it is a testicles? hard word to rhyme. <laughs> yeah. It's a hard word to rhyme. I don't know. It's funny. It's like when black people are trying to be really scientific and polite and stuff about white people, and they call them Caucasians. I always got a kick out of that. Caucasians. Mark Sims used to do that every now and then. I used to tease him. Mark, you don't have to call them Caucasians. White people. No, Ben, they're Caucasians. Okay. Testicles. Being real scientific. Anyway, guess who loves her? Tucker Carlson. This is this may be my favorite part of it, and this is the ice cube part of it. The flip flop. Again, remember Nicki Minaj supported Bernie Sanders right on Nicki Minaj. But Tucker's like, I don't know about this, man. There may be some truth to this rumor. You know, her cousin's friend in Trinidad may have swollen testicles, and we want to see that. We want the evidence. You know, I mean, like nobody has ever heard anything, as far as I know about the vaccine causing testicles to swell, but maybe it, it did for her cousin or her cousin's friend. So Tucker Carlson's like, hey, come on my show. I'd like to talk to you about this. So he did. He invited the cousin. He said, I don't know if we have any listeners that were even aired in the, uh, Trinidad, but if you are, if it gets you, please come on our show. We'd like to hear your story. I'm like... Tucker, I don't know why you need to got to you got to go all the way down to Trinidad to talk to Nicki Minaj's cousin's friend. You got the vaccine, I believe. Every Fox employee got it. 
have to ask Monroe about that. Monroe's my source, so I'm not quite sure about that. Always have to check your sources. But I know Tucker got it. So you don't have to look at Nicki Minaj's cousin's friend's testicles. Just look at your own. Oh, boy. This is an interesting topic today. <laughs> hey, D, I, I don't make this news up. I just read this. Okay. <laughs> this is what's in the news today. Tucker Carlson. Come on. Nicki Minaj's cousin's friend. Let's see your testicles. Anyway, we got a great show today, today everybody, and no one will be showing their testicles. Thank God. <laughs> Monroe Anderson will be here. He's got a lot of thoughts on this and other stories of the day. Uh, and Sergio Mim. Sergio hasn't been here in a while, a Black Harvest Film Festival, bringing him on in part uh, to discuss Candyman. Sergio Mim by the way, the only guest that we have on our program that on the day he is uh, going to be a guest on our program is on the live stream chat. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> He's on today and on the live stream chat right now. That's so funny. Yeah. Uh, he will be here and uh, we'll talk a little candy. Man. He's a critical candy man. I saw it this weekend. Uh, I just want to tell everybody it's not scary. Did I mention this yesterday? Dear, am I no, you did not. No, you did not. You didn't. Did not. You didn't recap your weekend or anything. You didn't ask how my weekend was. It was. You know what? Let's see. How was your weekend? Well, I mean, it was like four days ago, but. <laughs> It was great. I went uh, on the west side of Illinois. Saw like Galena for the first time. So that was kind of cool. Ooh, uh, uh. What are you doing in Galena? Yeah, we're just bored. Like, let's let's go check out the west side of the state, huh? Bored spelled B O R E D or B O R E D. Oh my god, uh, B O I. <laughs> Holy Lord, B O R E D. By the way, that's another Norm McDonald uh, moment. That one is hilarious with Conan O'Brien. And I I was started watching them and texting him the dentist last night. Uh, he's on the Conan O'Brien show. He's he's done with his stint. They move him down. The, do they still do this day with talk shows? I think now with the pandemic, they kind of do like one guest, really. They don't like do two guests and scoot over. Yeah. I was, in the old, I used to watch a lot of talk shows, but I don't watch them that much anymore. So in the old days, you know, yeah, they would. One guest would be speaking, then he or she would move down another chair, and a new guest would come on. Uh, and then I guess it was a sign of how popular you were. The, you'd be the first guest. And then I remember one time, we got Steve Martin came on the Johnny Carson show, and he was really popular at the time. And he did his thing. And then if you were really important, then you wouldn't stick around. You're like, well, I got a lot of things to do. You know, what <laughs> do you have nothing to do? It's the middle of the day. They're taping. I got, I got to go, Johnny. Okay. Bye. So Steve Martin left the, you know, he's so important. He didn't scoot down. He did left. And then uh, <laughs> about a minute later, Steve Martin comes running back. Johnny, I love you. I can't be with Anyway, I thought that was funny. Anyway, so Norm MacDonald scoots down and they bring on an actress whose name I cannot remember from Melrose Place and she's promoting her shows and Norm MacDonald keeps interrupting and it was, I was, thought it was very funny and very spontaneous and maybe very envious of Norm MacDonald. Anyway, so Sergio Mims will be with us uh, and from the Black Harvest Film Festival do a little talk about Candyman. Uh, he's going to trash the uh, Monica Lewinsky and Bill Clinton show that uh, I'm obsessively following and that uh, Monroe Anderson is obsessively following. Uh, and then we'll get into uh, all kinds of politics. Uh, Sergio's got a lot of opinions. But uh, first, Monroe Anderson is with us, the legendary journalist uh, from the Chicago Tribune, the Chicago Sun-Times, Ebony. Uh, 
running out of, I can't at the moment remember all the other outlets he's worked for and got in trouble with with his uh, poison pen. Uh, Monroe Anderson, uh, not afraid to tell uh, it WBBM like TV. Oh, right. Well, how can I forget W? Like 10 years. Everybody in Chicago knows who, well, I should say, like every black person in Chicago of a certain age knows who Monroe Anderson is for those years uh, at WBBM TV. All right, Monroe, uh, enough chit chat. Let's get down to business. I'm not going to ask you to weigh in on Nicki Minaj. Uh, although I do think it's quite ironic, as I pointed out, that suddenly she, MAGA loves Nicki Minaj because she has her doubts about the vaccine, which is funny because she yeah. endorsed Bernie. Right. And like Trump, she's she does. She's done everything they claim they're against. She she she, she she's not uh, family approval. <laughs> No, she's not. Uh, anyway, she um, uh, enough of Nicki Minaj. Let's talk California. Okay. Um, no, you know, let's hold off on California a little bit till uh, Sergio uh, joins us. I'd love to hear Sergio's thought uh, when down on California. Uh, and instead, let's talk about Donald John Trump uh, and uh, the new book that's just about to come out, Peril, uh, by uh, Bob Woodward's latest book. Uh, he does it again. Bob Woodward comes out with a bestseller full with uh, like these horrific details of the insanity that was uh, Donald Trump. Take it away, Monroe. Give folks uh, your thoughts on this. Yeah, Trump lost it completely after losing the election. I mean, he, he just he, he, he went absolutely crazy. Uh, and so... He was so bad. He was cursing his people out. He went from initially um, realizing that he had lost. He wanted to know how could he lose to Joe Biden. That was his question, yeah, to himself and to everybody else. He went from there to he started talking to his crazy, his, his, his gang of crazies, Giuliani, Bannon, um Miller, and they convinced him that it was a fraud, that he had actually won. And so he, he, he went into that, and he was so obsessive about it. Uh, and after, after January 6th uh, and the, the insurrection there, which everybody was begging him to call it off, to call his people off. Ivanka was begging him to do it. Um, Pence tried to talk him to do it. They were saying, tweet, call him off. And he was watching TV and loving it. And so General Miley, Mike, Mike Miley, was so concerned that he had a secret meeting with all the top military people and said that if Trump wanted to do, if Trump issued any order to clear it through him first before they followed it. In the meantime, um, the Chinese seeing the insurrection and what was happening here went on red alert because they were worried that Trump might bomb them. So Miley spends an hour and a half. Now, half of that because they, they had an interpreter. 
So probably more like a 45 minute conversation. But anyway, he, he talked to his counterpart in China for, for that time period, trying to convince him that there was nothing to worry about because he's worried about our being in a war with China. He's also worried about Trump um, wagging the dog and, and bombing Iran with a nuclear bomb. Mm. I, mean, they, they just, I mean, he was absolutely nuts and they were crazy about it. And of course now that, 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 that oh, and, and Pence didn't know what to do because he was really, Trump was really trying to get Pence to, to um, not deliver the vote to Biden on the 6th. And so January 6th. And, and so um, he was pressuring Prince, Pence so much that Pence called um, another yeah. Republican. Yeah, well. <laughs> yeah, right. Another Republican, Indiana Republican vice president. I can't believe we've had two in my lifetime. <laughs> he called Dan Quayle, and Dan Quayle sounded brilliant. He said, no, you can't do this. The law is the law. <laughs> and, and Pitts kept trying to figure out some kind of way he'd do it. And he says, you can't do it. Nada. <laughs> Zilch, you, got, you cannot do this, period. And so Pence then did the, the thing that he should have done, the honorable thing. And um, Trump told Pence that he wasn't his friend anymore. Okay, let me let, let me just pause you for it. There's so much yeah, there. Sure, sure. Okay, no, no, okay. There was a pause you with the honorable thing. It following the law is not the honorable. You know what right, I'm saying? Right, it's like, right. but well, I hear what I know what you it, meant it, when you said it. it. Right, exactly. But that's how low the bar is right now. You know what I'm saying? Right, that right. Like we give honor to somebody because they recognize that their team lost the election. Yeah. Right. And then, you know, what's, uh, another interesting thing, though, is when the insurrection was going on, the, the um, Secret Service tried to put Pence in a car and zip him off someplace else, and he refused to get in the car because he didn't know what would happen if he drove away. I mean, he didn't know where, where, where things were going. And and the, the the this the chief secret service guy that guarded him, he told him, Well, I trust you, but um I'm not leaving <laughs> I'm not leaving the Capitol. I I'll stay right here, thank you. That's that's how that's horrible deep. things were. And the Republican uh, and, uh, I wanna forget about it. You know, yeah. the past is past, you know. <laughs> or, or, or blame somehow or other blame Nancy Pelosi for it. Yeah. Or, or so yeah, Pelosi, yeah, Pelosi called Miley. This is another good part. Pelosi called Miley and said, you know he's effing crazy, Trump. <laughs> he's effing crazy. And she, she went through some of the stuff he was doing and had done. And uh, Miley says to her, I agree with everything you say. <laughs> so, Trump is, uh, yeah. Trump is crazy, folks. Right, right. I mean... It, and I, I don't know if you could say this enough. I mean, we're holding back on, on, on California. Larry Elder 
who was the leading Republican vote getter in the state of Florida and Florida. Of course, I would say Florida because California is the right of California is nuts as the one in Florida. Larry Elder is insane. And I've spent a lot of time in the last week watching Larry Elder clips, Monroe. I must be a masochist. Yeah, you are. Uh, And his debate where he was defending George Zimmerman for killing uh, Trayvon Martin is utterly insane. Right. And yet 42% of the people who participated in that second uh, question in California, it's very confusing, ladies and gentlemen, because not all the people who voted voted in the second part of the question. Very confusing system they have. Voted for Larry Elder. Right. No, the, the Democratic strategy on that was to not put any Democrat up. Yes. So that either you voted for Newsom or you voted for one of the 45 Republicans. But there was no Democrat. Well, there was one. That would have been a distraction. Yeah. There, there was at least one. And listen, we I had guests on from yeah. I had guests on from California for the last several months, and I've been arguing, debating this point, and I, I disagreed with the official Democratic strategy. I, I wanted a safety net. Yeah. I wanted to protect California from a lunatic like Larry Elder. Yeah, well, except I, this, this strategy worked, and yours wouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, that's hilarious. <laughs> oh my! Oh no, God! If 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 twenty percent of the Democrats had voted for this other guy, whoever. Yeah. That, then um, it wouldn't have been as large a margin of victory. It, it could have. Well, no, it, no, you can vote on both sides. You could vote no, and then you could vote in the second question. You, it's, it's. Oh it, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's like, but you I could vote. That, that was too distracting. Yeah. If well, you remember, I think it was a month ago when we were talking about this. Yes. Um, I said that. Their approach, the Democrats' approach, should be just no, period. Nothing else. Just no. Don't worry about anything else. No, you and and I, as much as I hate to concede that you are right, you are right, and uh, all my other guests were right. Right. I, I I hate it when I do that. <laughs> I should stop. <laughs> I don't like to say you're right, but you were right. You know, and when you're right, you're right. Uh, to quote Jack Nicholson in Chinatown. But yeah, right. the, the, the thing is, is that uh, I still, even though it turned out cor- like just like you predicted, yeah. uh, and just as all my guests from California told me, uh, yeah. with a decisive victory, and we don't, and don't have to worry about Governor Larry Elder, I still think the prospect of having that lunatic run the state of California was too scary not to have a safety net. That was just my position all along. And for a while, Monroe, it was questionable whether the no was going to prevail. Even now with my dyslexia, it's hard for me to say that the correct vote was the no vote because that is just so counterintuitive. (laughs) Utterly insane system they have in the state of California that the Republicans have successfully manipulated. Right. Well, they didn't successfully manipulate it. Ultimately, they failed. Well, they did in 2003, but... 
Yes, they did in 2003. uh, We had the Terminator. They had the Terminator. Yes. And and he was much more moderate a candidate. Yeah, wow, what a different world that was. He was pro-choice. Right. Just right. let's pause for that uh, for a moment, uh, Monroe. Uh, we've been making fun of this the new candidate for uh, governor on the Republican side. His name is Jesse Sullivan. There's no reason for you to know him. I mean, only people who are obsessively following Illinois politics have heard of him. But he raised eleven million dollars from his friends uh, in the high tech industry in the Bay Area, uh, and he's running for governor. And he's trying to run as a moderate. But this is where the Republican Party is right now, Monroe. Even a moderate, and I have moderate in quotes, is against yeah. abortion rights. Yeah, right. Even a mo- So what he's telling the women of Illinois is don't worry about me on the issue of abortion, even though I'm opposed to it. And even though I'm in favor of all the laws being passed in other states uh, that are outlawing it, because I won't have the votes in Illinois uh, to pass legislation that you oppose what, yeah, I know. What, what kind of message? Oh, you know, that's that's I can't remember her 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 name. The uh, the woman who's a lawyer for Trump, who said all kind of crazy stuff, and then then QAnon stuff. God, what was her name? I, I'm not remembering it right now. But anyway, her defense when she was about to be brought up before the court was. Uh, what I said was so crazy. Nobody who wasn't crazy would believe yeah. any of it. And that was her defense for the face she, the point she had made. No, that's where we are right now. And uh, ultimately, just think about the Republican Party. Just think about our country. But let's just pause. Take it first with the Republican Party. If you're anything resembling a serious human being. Okay, and even if you have like most cold hearted free market, I got that in quotes, attitudes about the economy, which means, you know, cutting aid to poor people and kicking them out on the street. Even if you subscribe to that notion that somehow or other that's good for them and a minimum wage is bad for them. Right. you, You realize that. The Trump wing, which is the Republican Party, is insane. Yes. And they look crazy. Right. So how do you navigate that? I was thinking about this when I wrote my column this week, when I wrote about the new guy running uh, Jesse Sullivan. How do you navigate that, Monroe, if you're a Republican and you've got to win MAGA's votes without looking as nutty as MAGA? Help me out on that one, Monroe. What you do is you join with the other former Republicans and, and form the Lincoln Party or something like that and leave the magnets to themselves and they will, like a raisin in the sun, <laughs> dry up <laughs> and shrill. Well, um, I think that's what uh, Yang was talking about. Uh, he's talking about a third party, creating a third party. I, I, uh, I don't know. I, I don't, actually, I don't know if he's as far right as the Republican. I don't know if that could win you any elections. Um it may just become Democrats. I mean, when realistically, Monroe, yeah. the what they call the centrist wing of the Democratic Party, the Joe Manchin wing of the Democratic Party, right. it's not that much different than old-fashioned Republican moderates. Like, right? I mean, realistically, they're not. What's the difference yeah, between? No, there's difference. You know, if if you uh, K- K- uh, K- Kinzinger 
Yeah, Adam Kim's here. Yeah, Kings is our, if you listen to him, I mean he's very rational about Trump, but you listen to him on other issues. He's a Republican. I, you know, the, the Republican we used to fight against five years ago, but he's one of those Republicans. Yes. So, you know, so that's not a solution. No, but I I think what they need to do is um, all those ex Republicans who ran because of uh, or because of Trump just uh, start a new party, another and let the current the, 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 the Trump Republicans go the way of the Whigs. Well, they still own the the minds of a lot of people. And uh, I was very nervous about California for a lot of reasons. Uh, And I'm not proud to admit that I didn't have a lot of faith uh, in the California electorate to figure out how to vote. You made fun of me for that. Yeah. But I'm so used to Chicago voters. And I just I I took the the Nancy Reagan position. Just say no. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, oh my god speaking of which last night's uh monica bill show we're going to talk a little about that sergio's going to trash it even though he hasn't seen it yet or won't watch it uh but he's going to yeah, trash it why would that stop him for trash haven't seen it haven't read it but i don't like it <laughs> last night i i just think it's should be required viewing in my humble opinion, because it's just, it's a great history lesson of what our country was like. Uh, his, his one about the OJ trial was fascinating as well. I don't know if you saw that one, the uh, docudrama on OJ, but anyway, last night. Yeah, I saw some of it. Uh, Clinton uh, is about is flirting with Monica Lewinsky from afar while he's about to give a radio address. And then his radio address is about helping people deal with the scourge of drugs. And it brought me back to the 90s and uh, the the war on drugs and Just Say No, which which Nancy Reagan began, and our just insanity about drugs in our country and our obsession with uh, outlawing marijuana while half of the country is smoking it. Half of Clinton's staff was smoking reefer, Monroe, and he's given that speech. And and Clinton himself... um I've been eating brownies. Yes, so, eating the brownies. Well, didn't it? Yeah, but, but see, that's 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 the thing that's really fascinating. Not only did we lose Af- the war in Ag- Afghanistan, but we also lost the war on drugs. The drugs won. It's drugs won, and thank God. Yeah, right. I know. By, by the way, it's still not over. It's still. I, I have now. I'm. Liber- this is the libertarian me. I, I say legalize all of it, but uh, it's. It's still not over. There's still players in sports who are uh, being punished for taking the wrong drugs. They won't tell you what it is. Right. Uh, you know, and um, there's still people getting locked up uh, for competing with the state's official drug market. Right. You know, it's still illegal to, to sell drugs. Uh, so the war on drugs is, and there's the Republican Party. Uh, well, Joe Biden's against legalization of marijuana, so... Which, right. by the way, would you explain that to me, Monroe? What? What? Why is Joe why, Biden? Why, why? Yeah, go ahead. Explain that to me. I have no idea. I can't. I don't understand why anybody is against marijuana. You know, unless you're an you have asthma or something like that. 
Right. Well, I'm not asking Joe Biden personally to smoke it. I'm just right. I don't understand why he's opposed to other people. Right. I, I know. That's I, I don't I have no idea. I haven't been able to figure right. that one out. All right. So uh, before yeah, we I take mean, a break, and- especially somebody who, who was very instrumental in, in getting um, marriage, gay marriage um, legal. Joe, he was he was he he, he forced Obama. All right. L- let me let me ask you this. Yeah. And get your thoughts on this. I won't be surprised you disagree with me. We've been known yeah. to disagree from time to time. I've always thought. Yeah. That that whole Joe Biden, Barack Obama, gay marriage thing was set up from the get go. That uh, Barack Obama, if you recall, began when he was running for state Senate from a district in Hyde Park was for gay marriage. This is in the 90s. Then when he ran statewide as a senator, he was worried about downstate votes. So he evolved to being against gay marriage. Then yeah. once he was successfully in the White House a second time, so he was never going to run for office again. He had, in my humble opinion, Joe Biden, his vice president, release a trial balloon by saying he, Joe Biden, favored gay marriage. And then everybody said, oh, wait. That's a split because Obama hasn't officially endorsed gay marriage. And when the walls of the White House didn't cave in with that, uh, then all of a sudden Obama said, oh, yeah, I'm for gay marriage. Next thing you know, they they're celebrating uh, gay marriages and the White House is they've got images of the White House with the rainbow flag around it. And I'm like, what a load of. I I, I think I think Biden did that on his own because I've read that. Um, Obama was pissed off when, 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 when Biden did that. He 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 quit having lunch with him <laughs> for a couple of two or three Fridays. Oh, <laughs> he quit having. That's it, Joe. No lunch for you. Exactly. You have lunch by yourself. <laughs> Oh, Lord. Well, I don't know. Sometimes I think the whole thing is a hoax, but I'm so used to it. No, right. No, and and it could be. But if so, they played it very well. Because I'm telling you, the the reports I read was that Obama was really upset with him about that. Uh, Well, okay. Obama wasn't a leader. Yeah. But what about Obama and those uh, evolutions? Come on, Monroe. Uh, First, he was for it. Then he was against it. Then he was for it again. I presume now that he's not running for office, he's going to be permanently for it. Although he could have another evolution. Okay. (laughs) Obama is a politician. Yes. We we cannot forget that. Right. Obama is a politician and he's a master of the game, ladies and gentlemen. He was elected president of the United States. And that's something uh, after getting trounced by Bobby Rush right. in the year 2000. And I definitely would have voted for Bobby Rush in that election. All right. Uh, we're going to take a break when we return. Our good friend Sergio Mims will join us. Uh, I'm sure he's got a lot to talk about. I know he does. So uh, stick around, folks. We'll be right back after this.
Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Live from his attic. Yes, I am live from my attic. And Monroe is in his apartment or his uh, home. I'm in my uh, media loft. He's in his media loft on the north side of Chicago. And after uh, prom- promising that Sergio Mims would join us, uh, he's not with us. I don't know where he is right now, uh, Monroe. He's, I, he's probably on he's, trying to figure this uh Either that or he's arguing with himself. <laughs> Uh, there he is, Sergio Mims. I, I knew that would get it. <laughs> Welcome back, Cotter. Welcome to the show, Sergio. Oh, my balls. Oh, there he is. Uh, a lot of reverb there, yeah. Sergio. Sergio, make sure your uh, your maybe your speakers are up a little bit. Maybe no, no, turn no, your we speakers. should be fine now. Oh, okay, okay, sounds now. good. I'm so sorry, just, my balls are achy. Oh. <laughs> Nikki Minaj. Oh, oh. the size of watermelon. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, Nikki Minaj. Can I say something? No. I don't. What, this light. I can always say something. I don't use the word Caucasian. I don't like that term. I don't like it. I prefer white devils. Okay. <laughs> Shout out to Elijah Muhammad. Uh, oh, you heard my opinion. Except when he's around white people, that it's yes, sir, no, man. <laughs> Stop that. <laughs> you know what? Uh, so, Monroe, you missed that opening bit because you were out uh, still eating breakfast, but Sergio heard it. And so uh, I was talking about how Nicki Minaj, when she was uh, – giving her thoughts on uh, the vaccine said that her cousin has a friend uh, who was vaccinated and his, his testicles were swollen and she used the word testicles. And I said, it's interesting. She's trying to be all scientific instead of calling them balls or whatever, which is what she called testicles. I go, it reminds me when black people are trying to be nice or scientific or whatever. And they refer to white people as Caucasians, which is always funny. Like no white guy. I know. Cause another white guy a Caucasian, but right. you know. Well, that's so, uh, yeah, that's because you're the the default race in America. Yeah, so you know, <laughs> I kind of like the white devils. Explanation, right? Uh, all right, Sergio, we already kind of threw you under the bus, so why don't you get a uh, chance to defend yourself? I've been listening to him. I've been hearing what he's been saying. Uh, <laughs> so you did not, I presume, watch uh, episode two, uh, Ryan Murphy's epic on uh, the Lewinsky-Clinton affair. Am I correct in that? I don't want to see any show about the Clintons. I've enough. I've had, a, I've had absolutely enough. I, I agree with you, Ben. I think they poisoned a well when they were in office. And I think that the country had really changed. I, I, after after Clinton was in office, I think the attitude, um, increasing attitude among people was that it didn't really matter what the president did. You remember when Nixon, can you imagine now what what Nixon did? He was forced to resign. And what did he do? He basically covered up, was involved in a cover up of a break in. Well, he sent the burglars too. <laughs> well, he didn't send the burglars. No, he did not. He did not. That was the people who worked with Creep. Remember Creep? Well, they worked for him. Right. Right. They worked for him. But he was involved in the cover up, right? Next now, thing you'd be telling me that Trump really didn't um, 
he, it really was a clean call he had with the president of um, of Ukraine. Uh, yeah, no. Ukraine. Well, what, what I wanted to say is now you got a president who's been impeached twice, mm-hmm. according now to this new book, wanted to start World War Three with China. And you still have you have half the country who still support him, who think the general is a traitor. Uh, yeah, it's not really half the country. You got half of the the remaining uh, Republicans. Well, but I, but this is what I was getting at before we took the break. And Sergio, I think you're. I actually agree with Sergio on this point, and that is this: uh, it's when you think of in terms of electoral map, it's very close as to. Who will control the White House, the portion of the country that thinks Miley's a traitor because he tried to avoid a war with uh, China or uh, the portion of the country that thinks insanity reigns uh, in the Republican Party? So I think, Sergio, that's your overall point, that it's still frightening close to have the lunatics in charge. Is that the point you were trying to make? Right. And the fact is that um, you may call this a stretch. But I, I won't want to trace what Clinton did all the way to what we had with Trump, or st- in effect still having with Trump. This poisoning of the well of politics. You know, um, you can say, well, what about an outlier? Considering what's happened since then, then you had, you had after him, after Clinton, you had, you had Bush. And God knows all the things that happened when Bush was president. You know, I don't care about the speech he made the other day equating the terrorists of 9-11 to the people of January 6th. People are now practically calling Bush the new Lincoln. No, I still remember what he did. I still think it was a phony war. You know, we had a brief respite with um, the Obamas, and then we had Trump. It's just this poison of the well in the White House. I, I trace it all to Clinton. Well, I, Sorry, I'm not saying the Clintons. Uh, I would never like the Clintons. Yeah, I, well, I, I think you could go a little further back than that if you don't want to do Nixon. But Hardy? Again. No. I, I, I believe in our lifetime we're all roughly the same age. That it's, come, it's become clear that our presidents just routinely lie to us on all kinds of matters, uh, big and small. Uh, and that every moment where you think there's supposed to be national unity and we're all together around uh, one effort or one uh, struggle, if you will, uh, there's all, it, it all turns out to be uh, BS. So the war in Vietnam, which was raging when we were kids, uh, it turns out that was a lie, that the people who were waging that war knew uh, it was not going to succeed and that Nixon perpetuated it uh, just to try to get uh, just a, a, one tactical advantage in the uh, presidential election with uh, George McGovern. And then, uh, you know, uh, Reagan making deals with Iran to get elected, even though we're supposedly they're supposed to be our horrific enemy. And then Clinton lying at just about anything. He's always lying. Bush making up all the reasons for the uh, war in Iraq, saying they have uh, arms of destruction. So I think, Sergio, you and I, we, Sergio and I are literally the same age, Monroe. We graduated the same year. All we have known are presidents that lie to us. 
And Trump is just the biggest, most outrageous liar. Go ahead. Right. But, I, but I, I'm slightly older than you guys. So I no, know. You're way older. You, no, no, you were way older. You, you were around when Woodrow Wilson was president. <laughs> Let's keep, let's keep it. Let's keep it a buck. Woodrow right? <laughs> Wilson. Yeah. Well, uh, Woodrow lied to us too, right? In fact, I tell him Woodrow quit lying to the American people. Right? So, I mean, this is not a new phenomenon. It comes with the job that uh, that you have to be at least duplicitous. Um. You have to be duplicitous. Yeah. I mean, that is the most cynical thing I've ever heard you say, Monroe. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. I know. No, it's true. It's true. Unfortunately. Uh, what do you think about that, Sergio? Do you have to be duplicitous to be a president of the United States? That's a very downbeat, cynical way of looking at things. Um, you know, we want to think that our presidents are representative of a better nature. That's not to think they rarely are. Right. But that's what we want to believe. Right. Um, even though Trump inverted that, that's what, in effect, made him so popular. I am the worst of you. I reflect the base of you. And that's what got him elected, quite honestly. You know, um, uh, there are a lot of really evil, rotten people in the world. <laughs> they voted for him. No. And unfortunately, as I said before, uh, and you agree with me, uh, he had the one big advantage is that he ran against the worst candidate the Democrats could have picked. Hillary Clinton. Somebody wants to. I never never agree with you on that. No, she was the worst. As somebody Uh, once said about court. She's she's not. She wasn't the one. She was a terrible campaigner. Terrible campaigner. Boy, she was bad. Um, Trump was the Trump was a worse candidate than she was. But we've had this argument before, and I'm tired of winning. So no, you know, you know why she was the worst. You know, we're relegating this whole this whole damn election again. When you run for president of any office, all you have to do is tell people how their lives are gonna be better when they're in office. That's all you gotta do. It's BS, but that's what you gotta do. She couldn't do that. Oh, I she mean, what did Trump, that. She did that's that. what Trump did. That's what Trump did. That's what Trump did for white guys. He constantly, right. te- he constantly right. told white people, this right. is how I'm gonna make your life better. Yeah, As right. it got over. You know, and Hillary Clinton, how are you gonna make my life better? Crickets. I don't hear no, it. She didn't know. She had she had all sorts of platforms or what have. You. She didn't have a bumper sticker. That was the difference. Uh, Trump, yeah, stronger Trump, together. Huh? Right. Exactly. Her 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 Trump's bumper sticker was better than her bumper sticker. But other than that, what? It was a hell of a bumper sticker because what it meant was make America great again. Let's make America back to 1948. Right. Right. This is you understand. Uh, listen, 
I know it's kind of strange in the year 2021 uh, to be discussing, debating uh, the 2016 uh, election, Hillary versus. You started it when you brought up that Clinton show. No, but I, <laughs> but I think it's it's surprisingly relevant, uh, Sir Joy. As weird as it is, sounds, because I do believe that the inability of Hillary Clinton to win that election. She won the popular vote, but to win the electoral election, electoral college election, her inability exposes some weaknesses in the Democratic Party that are the results of the way her husband and his allies ran the party and ran the country in the 1990s. And the Dems, the Dems, their whole strategy is hoping that the country will be revolted by the insanity of Donald Trump. Monroe and I have talked about this. Monroe was, we were just talking about this today before we came on the air, that the whole strategy for the Democratic Party will to be to, to portray Trump as the lunatic that he is and hope that that'll be enough uh, to prevail. Well, what do you represent, Dems? What do you bring to the table as opposed okay. to not being Trump? And the Hillary Clinton failed on that uh, effort, Sergio, in my humble opinion, because she spent the whole primary tr- running away from Bernie on the issue, the fundamental issue of fairness and equity in terms of Medicare for all, saying we can't afford it. That's ridiculous. And how about when Bernie said we want to uh, we should have free college for all? She had Congressman John Lewis go out and say uh, that's a pipe dream. and It'll never John Lewis used John Lewis to defeat Bernie's argument that we need college for all. I feel, I think that's a flaw that the democratic party uh, will be, that will keep the Democrats uh, from achieving any kind of electoral success that is not linked to Trump. Your response, Sergio Mims. Okay. Let me, going to, to your point, let me talk about something that happened more recently. This is, I'm talking about tone deafness of the Democrats. You probably saw what happened, you know, over the weekend they had the Met Gala. The Met Gala is this big thing they put by Bold magazine every year. All the celebrities are invited. You're not a celebrity invited by this. And they wore the most outrageous outfits, right? AOC shows up in this couture dress that has on the backs tax the rich. Tickets are $30,000 a piece. Now, granted, it goes to charity, but $30,000 a piece. Now, here is this, you know, self-described socialist who likes the rich people, the enemy of all mankind. She shows up at a $30,000 a ticket gala with, oh, she's so edgy because she's wearing a dress that says tax the rich. And that's hypocrisy. And people see that. Uh, speaking of speaking of hypocrisy, my dear friend who's pointing this out, if he could have crashed the party, he would have been there. <laughs> I'm, not going around, I'm not going around saying that rich people are the enemy. I want to be rich. I don't have rich people, right? I'm not a hypocrite. Of course I would have been there. But, you know, oh, oh. but the point... But the no, point you're is, okay. that's what's okay. her religion. While you're She's on that, okay, Sergio, while you're right? on that, the reason that uh, the MAGA people hate, like to hate the libs so much is because we control the culture. Ivanka would have loved to have been invited to that event. She wasn't. Um, 
Melania would have loved to have been, but because but they're 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 not hip enough. They're not right enough to um, be in that crowd. And that's where the culture is. That's where the influence of the culture. That was an American event, a real American event, not one of those pseudo-American events that the conservatives claim they have when they have these stupid rallies um, attacking women and black people. You see, see, that goes back to my old theory about it all goes back to high school. All these guys who who clicked who were too square, they weren't athletic enough, everybody laughed at them, they got the C's and D's, and that resentment holds, you know, you know, just stays on. Look at that guy, I, you were just talking about, Larry Elder, yeah. who had a wow. commercial on TV where this old nerdy guy says, I hate Gavin Newsom because he looks like the guy who took my girlfriend in high school. That was a real commercial. Yeah. And it, it sounds stupid, but yeah, it goes back to high school. Right. Those who, those people, those. Except a lot of high school, uh, high school nerds and, and, and um, not popular uh, targets of the mean girls or what have you become very, very accomplished later on in their life. And so that's, that's, but That's, there are many who don't. Yeah, right. No, so it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a slight problem. All right. I, I'm going to go back and defend AOC, uh, Sergio, and uh, I'd love to get Monroe's thoughts on this as well, uh, because that's where you started saying that the hypocrisy of the Democrats is that AOC uh, showed up at this gala with uh, this expensive uh, dress on that said uh, "Tax the Rich." Uh, and I would point out uh, that the, the the marketing genius of AOC, it's, she's as Monroe pointed, she's very much part of the celebrity culture, and um, she uses her platform to advocate for good causes that would otherwise be lost in the shuffle. And one of the fundamental causes of our time that we struggle with, not just uh, nationwide, but right here in Chicago and the state of Illinois, is fairness when it comes to taxation. So how are we going to raise the money to pay for the programs that we need? Uh, And the liberals and the lefties, like myself, we believe in raising the rates on the the wealthiest people. And so what AOC did was use that platform with the wealthiest of the wealthiest people to advocate the most basic, essential issue that the Democrats should be pounding, one that Hillary Clinton ran away from in 2016, one that Dems run away from time after time, which is that the only fair way to fund government is to have a progressive tax. So I I give her credit for using that moment in the spotlight to advocate. Go ahead. And and I have a question for Sergio. Sergio, if AOC had called you up and said, I want you to accompany me to this party and um, I'm going to wear this uh, tax the rich dress. Don't you think it's nice? What part of that would you have turned down? Huh? I'm listening. <laughs> I'm listening. I'm listening. Did, did, did your computer die? You got a technical problem there? Hello? I can't hear you. Hello? Is the speaker on? Bring <laughs> up your microphone, Monroe. I can't hear you. Uh, 
Yeah, no, I think we all would have been right there. Uh, if AOC had called one of us. Actually, the irony, Monroe, is that the one she would call is Sergio. Of the three of us, I, I would put my in the unlikely event that she would call anyone, it's a, of this three, uh-huh. and it is exceed. He's the guy who runs the Black Harvest Film Festival. He's the guy, you know what I'm saying? So, um, uh, also because I'm the best looking of the three. <laughs> I'm Clooney Dennis, too. Hey, um, yeah. remind, talk about Black Harvest. Let me just take a little point to, to break out here and say that we are literally right in the midst of uh, finalizing the festival. We hope to have a complete schedule by at least first week of October. Mm-hmm. Um, the dates are once again, November 4th to December 2nd. This thing's going to be huge. This thing's going to be very huge. Um, we'll be in the theater and in, uh, in the, um, the, the Gene Sisko Film Center. Physically um, in the theater? What? Physically in the theater? Yeah, it will be. It's already open. The theater's been open for over a month. Uh, we'll be back there. Now, it's it's, it's leading, right? We're, we're hoping by November that um, it's not at full capacity, something close to it, okay? Uh, there'll be some stuff we be, might be doing streaming soon. But it, we're putting together a festival. You know, we want to say there's and we have a major retrospective we're going to do. We're going to do a sneak preview of a big Hollywood movie. Um, we've got, um, oh my gosh, we got all kinds of new films that document. Um, I'm very, I'm very happy and very excited. You know, uh, more details. And then everything next month when I'm on your show again. Yeah, yeah, we'll do a whole preview uh, of what, what we're going to do. But it's um, and I'm very happy, and um, you know, oh, know sorry, so are, so, so are you going to have punch nine or I only get I, I, I only get we're the working on film, that. We're we working on that. Uh, we're working on doing a joint thing with. The Chicago National Film Festival. Okay, we're working on that. Punch Nine is, is, you know, the new documentary, long in the works about the election of Harold Washington. Yeah, yeah I know. When they interviewed me, I was a young man. You <laughs> know, your hair was still black. Anyway, um, um, and, and I have a feeling when this film is shown, there won't be a dry eye in the house. Punch Nine. I've, yeah, I've I've saw. Two years ago, I saw half an hour of footage. Half an hour of footage. This is a feature, but half an hour of footage. And just to remember those days, you know, when Harold <laughs> Washington was against, um, oh gosh, what's his name now? Epton. Uh, Bernie Epton. Vote for Bernie. Yeah. Before it's too late. Before it's too late. Go for Bernie. Before it's too late. Yeah, uh, yeah. Chicago. Uh, if it, uh, God, I could talk off about this forever, but uh, uh, Chicago lost, and, and that was my introduction to Chicago Monroe. Uh, I had just moved here. Uh, I'd grown up in Evanston, so like 
Evanston's liberal land. It, like whatever your real feelings are, you profess certain feelings. Do you follow what I'm saying, Monroe? Yeah. yeah. And I, I come to Chicago and people are just <laughs> white people are just saying what's coming out of their mouth. I'm like, whoa. Right. <laughs> Did you have Black History Month in the right, right. public no, schools the, of Chicago? The, the day after Harold won, I was on, I think it was WLS. But it was one of these stations that white people listen to and black people don't. I can't remember. And this, these people were calling in and they were so upset. They were saying, they tricked us. <laughs> and, and I'm trying to be nice. <laughs> so I said, no, I said, the problem is the media didn't prepare you for what was going to happen. It wasn't a trick. You know, you, you just, they didn't, they didn't tell you, the media didn't tell you the truth on it. Which of course endeared me with um, the tribute, but you know, radio said that sort of thing. But you know, I remember, I remember a week before the election, I was such, I was a, I was a nervous wreck. I was such in a hyped up state because of this fear that Epton was going to win or it'd be something ugly. And I was downtown, and I ran to a guy who was working on Washington's campaign, who I knew. And this was like on a corner of Randolph and State Street. I ran into him. And I, I said, I was like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? He said, Sergio, we got it. <laughs> it's okay. Calm down. You know, I don't, what do you understand? I, I Sergio, we got it. Okay, we got it. Yeah. Because okay? it, it just, the insanity at the time, people, you, you, it was so intense. It was so fraught with tension. Mm-hmm. That whole election and the times and and you know I yeah I still remember like it was yesterday. No, I I I, I can uh, sympathize with you, Sergio, and it's much the relationship I have with Monroe actually, uh, where he's always talking me off the ledge when it comes to elections. So, for instance, this last one, I was so I was nervous about California, you know, and I was, and the New York Times, I'm blaming them. I, I think they figured out that a good strategy to get clicks is to scare liberals. Right. So the New York Times ran one article <laughs> after another about what had happened if Larry Elder was governor of the state of California. And each scenario was more horrific, right. Sergio, than the next one. The guy's a lunatic. And I was so worried. And Monroe's like, you know the, the no's are going to win. The recall's going to fail because they're already talking about how the election was stolen. I'm like... Oh, yeah. I never- <laughs> well, the thing about it was that, you know, they were going to lose when for the past few days they were talking about if we lose, it was fraud. Yeah, that's what Monroe Which said. They yeah. knew that the, the, the polls were in. They were going to lose big. Now, interestingly, last night he was all very gracious. I'm talking about Larry. Oh, yeah. Now, that meant one of two things. It was a landslide. It was no way they can claim it was stolen. Or... Larry Elder, this this is my theory also. Okay. Larry Elder thinks he has a, a career, a future in politics. So he's going to play nice now and maybe do something later. Like maybe he's going to run for governor. Yeah. Or, I mean, run for governor or again. Right that's, what I, run that's what I meant. Run for governor again. Yeah. Or run for the Senate or run for yeah. Congress. Yeah. Or something. Well, he said, to quote him, he said that he lost the battle, but um, the, the, he he hasn't lost the war. Yeah, he's still going to be fighting. Now, the, 
this is the thing that, as we have this discussion, what, what we have to remember is that Elders is a shock jock. And so he says things for effect to get clicks, to get the listeners. Uh, and we have no idea of what his true beliefs are, if he has any. Yeah, no. In fact, when wrote to that point, there was an essay. I can't remember where I read it. Uh, it was written, I want to say the New York Times. Anyway, it was about a woman writing about the time she was on his show. Uh, and he said all these outrageous things. And then during the breaks for commercials, he was sort of indicating that it was all a game. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? This is what yeah. he's doing. And Monroe and I talk about this all the time, Sergio. Like, if Monroe wanted to make serious money, yeah. all yeah. you'd have to do is become a Republican, tell the Republicans exactly what they want to hear. No, you, you, I mean, you're talking about black Republicans. Black people yeah. can make serious money just saying whatever the Republicans and the Trump uh, MAGA wants to hear, and they'll be lo- beloved. Yeah, because yeah, you know, Fox, Fox when, when, when he started working there, I'm blanking on his name now, um, but they're black guy there. Fox gave him $2 million a year. You talking about Juan Williams? Yeah, Juan. They gave Juan $2 million a year. Yeah, but you know, the thing, wow. is, the thing is that, like, Candace Owen, if you know her background, just a few years ago, she was a big anti Trump person. You know, if you know the background, uh, you know, she just switched over because the money is there. Yeah. You know, and then Larry Elder, Larry Elder's been a fraud. I mean, he makes Stephen in Django Unchained <laughs> look like Elijah Muhammad. And I was like, how? You know, no conscionable person, as they say, black person could say the things he says. You have to say to yourself, he can't really believe that. He really believes that. And he doesn't. He really? does. You know, I, I, I would bet that he doesn't. No, he yeah. doesn't. But well, really and in fact, I would not be surprised if he didn't vote for Obama. Because a lot of black Republicans did. Not, first not time or second time? Uh, first time. I don't know about well, second time. Well, you know, look, this is the guy who actually once wrote an article saying that black men are more violent than any than any other group of people. Black men are more violent. He would go that all the time. And then you saw what happened months ago came out that his girlfriend claimed he beat her up. He threw, shoved the gun in her face. Well, she she was, was like, speaking from personal experience. Yeah, he said the motherfucker was talking about himself. Uh, he should know. <laughs> all right, let's. Uh, I want to switch it to a local story that uh, Sergio alerted uh, me to, and thank you, Sergio, for alerting me to. I don't know how I missed oh, yeah. this, uh, and he sent me the link. I I got a homework assignment from Sergio, which I dutifully did. Okay, I did my homework, Sergio, uh, and this one. I'm really glad you uh, sent this to me, Sergio. And Monroe, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, so I'll just give a little introduction and get Sergio to comment and then you to comment. So this talks about, this really is a reflection of where the Republican Party is right now uh, and why, even though I have so much trouble with the, the demi wing of the Democratic Party, I got no place to go. So they had the Illinois State Fair every year has Republican Day and Democratic Day where the each party gets their moment uh, to spread its spiel and get publicity. And the various Republicans, Republican days, give speech. And a gentleman whose name is Paul Palazzolo, I hope I'm pronouncing it right, Palazzolo, who is the county clerk of Sangamon County. 
uh, downstate county, uh, gave a speech. Uh, and I miss, I don't know how I didn't see this, Sergio, but Sergio saw it and alerted me to it. In his speech, it was an attempt at humor. And he made fat jokes about uh, J.B. Pritzker. Uh, and then he started making, quote unquote, ugly women jokes about Nancy Pelosi. And it just bombed. He's not funny. The jokes weren't funny. I'm like, reading this, I didn't actually see the speech. I just read the transcript of it, Sergio. Thinking, how in the world do Republicans think this is going to help them win votes? You know, I mean, making fun of women. The party already has an issue uh, with women voters. Monroe Anderson talks about this all the time, Sergio. So what makes him think that making jokes, making fun of Nancy Pelosi, the way she looks, calling her ugly, et cetera, and so forth, is going to help them? Yeah, he, he, he also said that uh, she crossed her legs and a, and a smile came across her face. Well, yeah, because she has so much. She's she's had so many facelifts. Yeah, that when, when when she crosses her legs, her mouth, you know, opens up. Something like yeah. that. Yeah, except it has a double entendre. Right. Yeah. It's it's like their tone deafness is extraordinary. It's it's really extraordinary, and I cannot figure out. Okay, you got the pissed off, angry white male vote. Okay, you got that. Okay, so I don't know why telling jokes like this. And by the way, I'm sure he had a lot of black jokes that he probably tells his friends, you know, off mic. I'm sure he does. I'm sure he has dozens of them. But I don't know what kind of how this is going to attract um, other voters because the, the head of the GOP party, Tracy. I forget yeah, Don Tracy. Right. Don. right, Don Tracy. You know, he made a reference. He he made this. He said this thing at at the uh, GOP day, saying that there are too many people who look like me in this party, and we need to you know attract everyone. Well, good luck <laughs> if your idea are making vulgar comments, so called jokes about Nancy Pelosi or body shaming jokes. And by the way, the guy was fat himself. So I don't know what he gets off making fat jokes about Pritzker. And if that's the kind of stuff he says in public, you could just imagine what he says in private. Monroe, what do you think? I think that um, we, we can uh, point to Trump. Trump. Trump said things aloud that these people thought but were too um, intimidated to say. And once Trump's got on it and was able to say anything that um, you, you would say in a, in a locker room or uh, a pig pen or something, someplace, once he started doing it, then it became in vogue among the right-wingers to just say this stuff. Yeah, I think they're following down the path uh, that there's no return from. Uh, Sergio, originally, uh, the, my first question to you was going to be about Candyman. We got on a, a distracted, went on a detour. So I need to ask you your opinions about the movie Candyman. I saw the first, I've seen the first one, I think, three times. 
Uh-huh. I'm, I'm a big fan of the first Candyman. Uh-huh. And I finally got around this weekend to seeing uh, the remake or, of Candyman or the part two. I don't know what it is. Uh, and my biggest complaint about the movie is that it wasn't scary. Yeah, uh, I know. Yeah, that's what yeah. everybody says. Yeah. That's what everybody says, which is why it did very well the first week and then it dropped big. Um, essentially, it's not scary. Right. And I, I, I read a review that said that the thing missing from it was the original Candyman, the actor who played Candyman. Well, he comes in at the end, but yeah, uh, he comes in. He does a brief cameo. He, he, he cameo yeah. at the end, but but go ahead, but, Sergio. But, but but it's um, it's oh, Jesus Christ! You're breaking up, Sergio. Yeah, we lost you. We seem to have lost Sergio. Uh, what? Oh, there we go. Yeah, we here? Yeah, you were. You broke for some reason. Your your uh, connection. You were right in the okay. middle of saying something about Candyman, and then it just died. So, what were you saying? Okay, it, it's it's uh, it's woke as hell. God damn. It's you know, the statement, woke as hell. Oh no. Yeah. Okay. Right. You gotta get seen by the police. We gotta do something about this. We gotta say something about that. Uh, I kind of blame the director, Nina DaCosta. Um, She's an independent filmmaker. She's made one small independent. She's now directing a Marvel movie. But her previous work was only one small independent movie, which I hadn't seen, called Little Woods. But she's very much of the woke generation, BLM, black feminists, all that stuff. And I said, I guarantee you, before I saw it, I said, I guarantee you she's going to put all that stuff in the movie and she's going to forget what the first movie was really all about and going to use this movie to make all kinds of statements, which she did. The movie's only 86 minutes long, which is why the movie's kind of like, I, want, I have a feeling, was there a longer cut? And I know it, it was directed by her. It was produced by Jordan Peele, who I still think is the most, one of the most overrated filmmakers on the planet. I mean, this guy, he made two movies and already he's John Ford. <laughs> I'm not buying him. And I never saw him. as a TV series. Yeah. That, that, that TV, well, that TV comedy show, I had major problems with, well, you know, what TV comedy. Which, uh, Key and Peele. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm yeah. talking about Lovecraft Country. Yeah, I started watching that, and then about the fourth. He's also doing in, the Twilight Zone. Yeah, the fourth episode, and I start, I, I sort of started losing interest in it. I now, really wait, hold on. I'm going to defend Jordan Peele. Uh, Get Out is a great movie. You and Sergio and I have had this argument, Monroe, yeah, many it's, times. It's, it's the Stafford one. Here we go. <laughs> we did a whole show on this. Yeah, uh, people, you want to go back and listen? Yeah, we did a yeah. right, 45 minutes on and, this. And, and I, too, have had this discussion with Sergio. Yeah. 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 It, it's just well, such all, a well, All you millennials out there, the Stafford Wives was this movie that came in 1975 based on the book by Ira Levin, who wrote Rosemary's Baby, about these women, um, this woman who goes to this, um, she, she and her husband moved to this um, uh, suburban house, suburban place in Westchester County, and all the women are very robotic. 
they act like robots and they're very old fashioned in 1950s mm-hmm. type, you know, and she can't figure out what's going on. And eventually she finds out that these guys go to this town, basically have their wives killed and replaced by androids who look just like them. Yeah. Who act like women from the 1950s? It, it was it was a satire on men's reaction to the women's liberation movement. Okay, Jordan Peele said, "Hmm, what if I put black people in that?" And that's the movie. Yeah. Now, us is a better movie, you know, but I still had suspicions with him since that comedy show. That comedy show. Okay, here's why I go with a comedy show. Uh-huh. I, I never thought it was funny. My real son was hysterical. She, he actually showed me episodes. <laughs> okay, I, I, I said, what? Yeah. This show does not make me laugh. And I couldn't figure out what the problem was. Wait, and then yeah. I saw the movie Keanu. Remember Keanu? Oh, it was terrible. Terrible. Okay. Terrible. But One of the it. worst movies of all time. Yeah. 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 Oh, it's horrible. I didn't see it. You don't. Yeah, don't about, see it. Yeah. yeah. It's about two black nerdy guys. Yeah. Essentially, biracial guys, okay? Yeah. Whose cat is stolen by some drug dealer. So they have to act black to infiltrate the gang to get their cat back. And when I saw it, I said, that's the problem. These are two biracial guys who grew up being rejected by the black kids and the white people didn't like them, rejected them. So what do they do? They make a show where they make fun of black culture. And black tradition, and I said that's why that show's not funny. No, not well, laughing. all right, time out. You're not uh, laughing with us; they're laughing at us. That's not funny. Uh, I, I did you ever see the one where he's the substitute teacher from names? Yeah, the name. Come on, Sergio, you were laughing at that one. Now I know you were laughing at that one. <laughs> I said it's it's like, gee, aren't black people really really weird? Wow, they're like from a different planet. Let's do a whole series where we kind of mock who they are. And I go like, and by I'm not the first person who says that. There have been other people in articles that have mentioned the same thing. So this is just not me. Okay, but you know what? I'm going to say this about that. Even if it wasn't just just you, own it. That, you know what I mean? You don't have to defend what you're saying by saying other people agree. Because half the time I say stuff, Sergio, nobody agrees with it. Okay, I own it, right? <laughs> own it, man. You say it, it. you believe it. Uh, I and and you when know, there's they'll, a, never, they'll never be as funny. Uh, they'll never um, be as funny. You, they'll never you, be as funny. You didn't think his, um, uh, the Obama alternate personality was funny? Luther, yeah. But that was I, a lame I, skit. I gotta tell you, Sergio, you are so right about Keno. Is that what it's called? Keanu. It was Keanu, Keanu yeah. Reeves. Keanu Reeves, yeah. <laughs> Keanu Reeves. It was embarrassingly bad. But I, I did completely disagree with you about Get Out. And I also loved, and the first time I saw us, I couldn't hear it well because the sound was garbled at the theater. I saw it, and then I, I've subsequently watched it. Uh, on my TV set with subtitles. So I heard it clear. I mean, I read it. So I, I, I thought it was a great flick too. Great, scary, great. Now that was a scary movie. And now he, uh, now he, now he's got a new film coming out. I can't remember the name of it. Now he's got a new film coming out next summer. That he's directed. I can't remember the name of it. Well, I, it's probably I, I, something like, it's something like, you know, me and you, or I forgot the name of it. I can't but remember the name of I'm it. Gonna, I'm going to do this for you, Sergio. Yeah. 
when the uh, when the Black Harvest Film Festival has a retrospective honoring Jordan Peele. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. burn this Next tape. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna burn this tape. He won't. Right. Right. As soon as George called him up now and said, "I got this new movie coming out. Can you air it at the Black Harvest?" I, I guess gotta I'll say, do I'll do it. I disagreed with them the last time. I, th- I think Get Out is one of the great flicks of the 21st century. I, we used to say it was the best flick of the 21st century. And then I forgot all the Quentin Tarantino movies that I love, like uh, Django. And um, we'll do it. We'll do it right after we do the Jim Brown retrospect. Right. Exactly. Oh, the Jim Brown. <laughs> we'll do it right after Jim Brown. Right? Aren't you kind of embarrassed? Or I'm speaking for myself. How much I love Jim Brown in the uh, '60s. I idolize that man. I mean, he was the man. He was the man. Yeah. The the, the, the example of black masculinity on the screen. He was something else. Yeah, I'm embarrassed to say. I don't know about you. I'm embarrassed. I, I I just rewatched a couple of days ago. One night in Miami. And it, improves, it improves with age. Which, which, which Criterion just today announced to release it on Blu-ray. Criterion. Oh, okay. You were you praised that movie, didn't you, Sergio? Yeah. You came. We did a whole show on that. Yeah. Yeah, along uh, with uh, they're releasing the Learning Tree, Gordon Parks. Oh, Gordon Parks movie on Blu-ray uh, on Criterion coming out in December. Now, have you announced yet? I can't remember. Uh, my memory is fading. What uh, retrospective movie you're going to have? What old movie you're bringing back for? Uh... Well, let me tell you what retrospective we are doing. I can announce this. We are doing a Gordon Parks retrospective. Okay. We're doing a Gordon Parks retrospective. Uh, we're going to show all his films. Shaft? This is, this, this is in uh, collaboration with the um, Chicago Film Archive. Okay. And people forget his last movie was for PBS, Sullivan Northrop's Odyssey, which was the first original version of 12 Years a Slave, based on the same character, same book. Okay. Um, we're doing that. And then we're still planning to do a 50th anniversary retrospective screening of uh, Sweet Sweetback. Sweet we're still yeah, Right. Yeah. Are you going to show I, I, Shaft? I reviewed Sweet Sweetback. Well, yeah, because it's part of the of course, Gordon Parts retrospect. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and I, I reviewed Sweetback and interviewed uh, uh, Mel, Melvin. Van Peebles? Yeah, Van Peebles, back in 1971. Wow, man. I'm, old. Old. I'm old. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> I'm old. By the way. Uh, he has records that I really loved. Uh, that he, that he, he did these. He called them songs. I called them poetry, but they they are incredible. They really are. You know, I still have my Rudy Ray Moore LPs. They're right over here. Yeah, yeah no, you were way ahead of it. that. Was a great flick. That movie did not. Uh, Eddie Murphy, one of the best movies. That's one of the best movies of the 21st century. Sergio Mims. See, that I will agree with you. Uh, that, that, oh my goodness, what a great flick! By the way, uh, you mentioned 12 Years of Slaves, and every time I hear that, I smile because I think of something Monroe Anderson told me. I'm not gonna. I'm doing my best to quote him after. <laughs> After he saw 12 Years of Slaves, he had to go out and watch Django because it was so depressing. He, he needed to see Django. Well, I can understand. The thing, the thing about, first of all, I love Django to death, of course. 
Yeah, it's just a black exploitation movie, you know. This is black exploitation film, but but um, the thing about Twelve Years a Slave that's always kind of bothered me is that I think the film takes an almost distant view of everything that's going on. Once again, a director says everything, and the director is you know Steve McQueen. Not the actor, of course, but, you know, the British film director. Mm -hmm. And I think because I don't think he's really that familiar with the African-American experience. I think he kind of looked at the film and went like, oh, that's rather interesting. Quite, quite interesting how they would treat people like that. Well, you know, I don't believe the British slave owners treated their slaves that way. But, you know, it's rather Interesting. And, and everything looked like from a distance. Perspective. Yeah, well, um, John, what's his last name? The, the, Singleton? Uh, single, no, not Singleton. The, the guy who did uh, uh, the brother super uh, the, the film where this black this black guy was a hero, a superhero. Uh, br- God, but, but, uh, you mean you mean uh, uh, Robert Townsend? No, not Townsend. No, what, you talking about Black Panther? No, no, no. This was back t- twenty years ago or so. Um, one you know, of the media man. Uh, no, I'm t- no. This this movie, <laughs> this movie, um, the blonde was um, the, the uh, white man's secret weapon, uh, uh, kryptonite. That was one of the lines from it. Oh, well, you're talking about undercover brother. Undercover, undercover brother. Yeah, John. I can't remember. John Ridley. Huh? Ridley. No, Ridley. Ridley. Yeah, Ridley. Yeah. Well, he didn't anyway, write it. He wrote it. He wrote the the um, twelve years of slave. And yeah, I know. The, thing, the thing is, he he did this article. I don't know if you read it um, prior to that about the two type of black people. There's black people, there's niggas, and how the niggas were screwing everything up for the black folks. That's oh, that article. Yeah. yeah, right. yeah that, that, that controversial article. Right, yeah. right, right. He guess well, what? I've never been a fan of his, huh? Mm, since he wrote he that guess article. What? Right. He guess what? What? He came to Black Harvest. <laughs> <laughs> and I got news for you, ladies and gentlemen. We'll close it with this. Jordan Peele will be more than welcome at Black Harvest. I will have my ticket. I'll be sitting there for every single movie. And I'll be enjoying when Sergio interviews him, like he interviews and, all the and, directors. And, when they- and, and hopefully some episodes of Key and Peele. Yeah, episode maybe, maybe Michael Key. They could do some spontaneous stuff, and I, Monroe and I will be sitting next to each other eating popcorn and laughing. Right. Uh, because I do believe that Jordan Peele is an extraordinarily talented uh, movie maker. And um, Sergio, you and I will be 100 years old and disagreeing on this. Right. Uh, whether it, it comes from Stepford Wives or not, Get Out is a great flick. Well, and, I'll be 100 years old. I don't know where you'll be. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you were 100, I'm 100. Because guess what? We're the same age, Sergio Williams. Uh, all right, that's enough of the show. We're running out of time. Uh, Google Meet is telling me we're about to uh, they're about to cut us off. Yeah. So I want to thank Monroe and Sergio. This is a lot of fun. I should have you guys paired more often. These guys are old friends. They go way back. As you might have actually, this is the first time I've ever met him. I don't know <laughs> I don't, never even heard of him before. Never even uh, heard of him before. 
So I want to thank Monroe Anderson and Sergio Mims. And of course, the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of joy at Alton, Illinois, without whom the show would be possible. And as Monroe Anderson, Sergio Mims, or and Jordan Peele will tell you, back home at Alton, they call him White Lightning. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. Every year, we get power to one person.